The following recording is part of a six-week series entitled Rooted, a study through the Book of Colossians at Holy Cross Church. That was awesome singing, great singing. Those are some of the few songs that we uh, sing here on a regular basis. Some might be familiar to you, others might not. Um, We like to pick music that is good from all different generations and cultures. Some of those songs are two years old, some are 200 years old. You may be able to figure out which is which, um, but we just try to sing good music from all different areas and times. Um, Would you pray with me real quick? Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for this night. We hope that our singing has been a blessing to you. We ask now that the meditation of our hearts as we read and reflect on your scripture would, would be honoring in your sight. I pray that we would learn something new tonight, each and every one of us, uh, that the, these words would meet us where we are, that we would be able to pick something out that will challenge, convict, or encourage and strengthen us to, um, to walk um, more closely with you. And Lord, we would just be reminded, we hope, of your steadfast love and grace to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've noticed um, from signs in the bulletin, uh, we were actually starting a study through the book of Colossians. It's a book in the New Testament. And uh, we just got done a couple weeks ago with the book of John, the Gospel of John in the New Testament. And it took us about 45 weeks to get through that book. And this one's going to take six weeks, okay? So if you're starting with us and new with us, this is a great, refreshing book to walk through uh, in, in, in not a long period of time. Uh, we're going to cover through the entire book. But here's a little bit of why we like to go through books like that. I don't know what you're used to, or maybe you're used to something else, but we like to go through books of the Bible. For one, it helps us all to be accountable to what the Bible says. Um, Whether me teaching it or you listening to it, as we walk through it, um, we may be confronted at times with an area of Scripture that is just inconvenient, that is hard to listen to, that's hard to swallow. And instead of just jumping over it and saying, let's find something a little bit more encouraging, we are accountable to walk through it and see what God wants to teach us through that. And so most of the time, not all, but most of the time, We'll do that. We'll go through books of the Bible like that. Um, So here we are starting with the book of Colossians. It's a little bit about this book. It's written by a man named Paul. And it's written to a new church um, in a a place called Colossae. And it's made up of all different kinds of people, different backgrounds, just like us. It's a letter written to a church that's just starting out, just like us. It's, It's written to a people that have... Uh, conflicting cultural issues where there's a lot of challenging ideas about how one should live, just like us in the time we are in. And it's written to a church that is about 100 miles away from the largest uh, you know, metro area in that region, kind of like us, with Tucson, about 100 miles away from Phoenix. And shortly after this letter was written by Paul to this church, there was this devastating earthquake that just flattened the city and destroyed it. Hopefully not like us, <laughs> as we go through this book together. But here it is, the book of Colossians, written by a man named Paul, a servant of God, um, called an apostle of Christ, um, someone who saw Christ face to face, and Christ said, go and teach my people these things. Teach teach the world these things. And so Paul would write these letters, and actually he's writing this letter to these people, and he's actually in prison in Rome, writing this letter to them. And so tonight, let's read a portion of this letter and learn what we can from it. And as we read, I want you to be thinking about something as we walk through this, as we read it together, as you follow along. If Paul, 
who was here and writing these, writing these things to these people, if he were writing it to you, he's praying for them. He's praying for specific things. And he says to them, I'm praying for you in such a way that these things will happen. And I want you to imagine if Paul was praying these things for you, and these pra- this prayer is for you, what would that look like in your life? What would that change? What would that alter? What would, it, would it confuse you? Would it challenge you? Would it disturb you at all? So as we walk through this, what would it look like for you personally in your life if this prayer was prayed specifically for you? Let's read together. It's also printed in your bulletin, um, or also on the screen behind me. I'm going to start in, in chapter 1, in, starting in verse 3. Paul writes this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Great beginning to a letter that he's writing to his good friends. I want to start off telling you a story. I know this guy that I used to work with. Wasn't anybody here? (laughs) And this guy did not want to learn anything new at his job. I mean, he did not want to learn any new skill, any new talent. I mean, to the point where you'd come to him and say, hey, do you know how to do so-and-so? Do you know how to work this? And he's like, no, I don't know how to do it. Oh, can I show you how to do it? No, I'm, I'm not available. I don't want to know how to do it. Just leave me alone. Every time I would ask him for help, he wouldn't know how to do something. And then if someone wanted to teach him how to do it, he never wanted to learn. And in fact, it's kind of a brilliant strategy. Because he had this mentality of, I don't, if I don't know anything, then I can't do any favors for anybody. And no one will ask me if they, to help them with anything. And this, if you're kind of like, you may be that go-to person. You, you may be that person that is the go-to person. If someone needs something, they go to you because you know how to do something. And don't you think to yourself every once in a while that, I wish I wasn't so good at everything. Because <laughs> everybody keeps coming to me and asking me for help. And sometimes, don't you wish, you know, I wish I didn't know how to do this, because then no one would come to me. Well, here's what that guy was like. He didn't want to learn anything new. And by the way, he's been at this job for 20 years and never been promoted. I don't know why. Um, Go figure. Here's Paul writing this letter to his Colossians, and they are learning new things. And these new things are starting to become evident in their life. And these new things, particularly like love for other people, uh, a steadfast anchor in the truth of the gospel, Namely, that, that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ, and he's died for their sins, and by faith their sins will not be counted against them. And, and, and they believed that. Okay? And so he's seeing these new things in these new Christians. 
that they're believing in this truth, this word that's come, they're trusting in it, they're loving others, and this love for others is having an effect. And now he says, after he says all those things, like, great job on all those things you're doing, he says all those things first, and then he says something in verse 9. He says, for the reason that I've seen all these things, I haven't stopped praying for you. And so what Paul is saying is, I've seen a lot of good things in you. But don't stop there. Dig deeper. Keep going further. Keep diving deep into what God has for you. Because just knowing and believing in what God has done is not, is not all there is. It is the beginning of all that there is. And he is seeing this beginning of life in these people. And it's starting to transform their heart. And he's saying, I want this, I'm gonna, it's possible for this transformation to completely take over every area of your life. Where this love transforms everything that you do. The way that you think, the way you behave, the way that you treat your family, the way that you interact with your friends, the way that you work. It's a complete transformation. And so Paul is saying, keep going. And so he's going to pray these specific things for them. For a lot of us, it's tempting to know the story of Christ. Heard about it, know about it. I know, I know Jesus, I learned about it on Easter and Christmas, and I know these things about Jesus, and I believe Jesus. I believe he's a real person, and I trust in him, and I feel my sins have been forgiven because I trust in him. And it's tempting to stop there and to feel like, okay, I, I know the things I essentially need to know. And you may be in a place like these, these Colossian people are in, where they know these things, and it's, it's going well for them, and Paul is now praying for them and saying, I want you to dig deeper. And so here he says, I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to show the three things that Paul prays for. He prays for what? That they would know Christ. The first thing is that they would know God's will in verse 9. That they would know God's will. I hear, I hear the question a lot. How do I know what God's will is for my life? Have you ever asked that question? What is God's will for my life? What does God want for my life? And, and what people usually ask when they're asking this question is, what are the specifics of my life? Like, how do I know what job to take? How do I know what spouse to marry? How do I know what tie to wear? I mean, <laughs> and honestly, my answer to all three of those is the same. Just pick one. I mean, just, just pick one and, and go. Well, not really. It's kind of serious in those other. But in here, it's not so much about specifics. When it says, when Paul says, I'm praying that you would know God's will for your life, he's not talking about specifics. He's talking about big picture, big heart picture of God. What he's essentially saying is, I want you to know the heart of God. I want you to know the mind of God. I want you to know what is at the core of the desire of the God of the universe and what he desires for you. These big picture life issues, I want you to have a mindset of understanding what is at the heart of God. What does he desire? What does he love? What brings God pleasure? What brings him joy? The second thing, that Paul prays for is this, that you would live a life pleasing to God. And he uses this idiom that is really contemporary to the time, and, and honestly, 2,000 years later in today, it's very common for us too. He uses this idiom of like walking on a road. And he says, I want you to know what's pleasing to the God and walk in a certain way. So it's like we come to crossroads in our life all the time, right? We come to different decisions that we must make. And what Paul is saying, I'm praying that when that time comes, you make a decision that, that God will be proud of, that is pleasing to God. That is honoring to God. And thirdly, he prays for this, that they would increase in their knowledge of God. So the big picture, this is what Paul is praying for. One, that you would know the heart of God. That you would know all that God desires. And two, that when you figure out what God knows, you would actually obey those things and live in such a way that 
You would please him and make him proud in all that you do. And third, if it isn't enough, third, I want you, with all those things you have now, I want you to learn more about God and be on this diligent quest to learn and know as much as you can about, about God. No big deal, right? I mean, let's continue to be, to be real, because we've been real up to this point. Let's continue to be real. This is what God is saying and expects of everyone. This is not easy. And I'm telling you right now, this is not an easy thing. There's no wonder that some of us would be tempted to say, you know what, I'm okay with where I am. I'm okay with knowing what I know, and, and, and I'm at peace with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with where I am. My life is not that bad. And many of us, including myself, will read this and say, that's a lot to ask of anybody. I mean, isn't it? That you would know what God is thinking, and that you would make choices that actually make him proud, and that you would live your life knowing him more and more. I mean, think about your life right now. Think about the responsibilities you have. You have your family, you have a job, you have your school, you have responsibilities, you have bills to pay whatever they may be, and not to mention the emotional burden that comes with all those physical burdens of just the day-to-day. And it seems like a full-time job just to commit to, being, to, to having this spiritual discipline. And Paul says, these are the things that I'm praying that you would accomplish. Us being a new church, you might be wondering, what, you know, what are some things that set you apart as a, as a church or even set you apart from other religions and, thing, and things like that? And what I'm about to say is, is not shared by a lot of the common tenets of, of religion in general, and maybe not even in some churches that you've visited or been a part of or heard about. And it's the answer to two questions that we're going to answer. And they're really the same question. One is, how do we do this? And, and the second question is like it is, what qualifies a person to be loved by God and to go to heaven ultimately? So how do we accomplish those things? Paul says, I'm praying that you would, that you would know the heart of God, that you would walk in those ways and actually do good deeds and do the right things, okay? And, and three, that you would grow in your knowledge of him. And so the, the question is, how do we do that? How do we do it? How do we please God? That's the question. And some might say, well, you live a life pleasing to God, you make good choices, you treat people well, you, you seek to do your best, you follow your heart, you, you do all those things that Paul is saying. You, you, you seek him, you read the Bible, you get to know him more and more, you make the right decisions, you don't do bad things. And if you do those things, God will honor you. I mean, maybe those are some answers that you've had in your head. But Paul says something very different, and we can't be done until we see it. And here's the answer to the question in verse 11. Paul says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. There's an important word there, and and it's in your bulletin still. You can look at that word in verse 11. There's an important word that Paul uses, and that's the word qualified. The choices that I've made in my life have not qualified me any more than it's qualified you to find favor with God. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying your choices and your good choices or my good choices or your bad choices, none of those things have qualified you to earn favor from God. In fact, it's in spite of those choices that you've been qualified by God. And this is a troubling passage for, any, a passage for anybody who really likes the good that they do and really likes themselves and says, you know, I've, I've done, a good, done good things. I've lived a good life. That should be good for something. That needs to earn me some kind of place in God's favor, in God's heart. 
some nice room in heaven. Because I've worked so hard to do all these good things. And Paul is saying that this, these things are not what qualifies you to find favor with God. The correct and biblical view is this. Who forgives sins? Paul says, it is God. Who brings restoration to our shame and our guilt and our regret that we might have? The answer is God. What gives us an inheritance of eternal life, which is heaven with God? It is God who gives that. What gives us endurance and patience and joy? And what gives us the power to make the choices that we need to make? Well, that's you and me. All right, don't nod your heads, because that's wrong. (laughs) We went through all those things. This is what God has done. God has qualified us. God forgives sins. God gives us the patience and the endurance and the power to accomplish those things that he prays for us. Faith is not something that we simply muster up. If you and I could simply muster up this faith to obey God, to honor God, to please Him, to live a life that is a, a blessing to Him in all that we do, pleasing Him, Paul says. He says, live, walk a life pleasing to Him, actually making Him proud. If you and I could muster up the faith to do that, then you and I have a lot of area to boast in, and we can say, look at what I've done, and look at what you haven't done, and I'm better than you, and things like that. But the Bible says, the gospel of grace says, it is not by works that any of us can boast, but it is by grace through faith. There's no such thing as an arrogant Christian who understands biblically what it means to be a Christian. Tell me if you've ever heard this before. You know, God will never ask you to do anything that you can't handle. You ever heard that before? It's kind of nod your head if you've heard that. You've gone through a hard time. You're, you're about to go into a very difficult time, a challenge in your life, and someone says, and they comfort you, God will never ask you to do anything you can't handle. And, and honestly, it does kind of bring you comfort, because you're like, okay, then I can handle this. But look at, let's look at back at the three things that Paul is praying for us to accomplish. Know what God of the universe is thinking on a daily basis. Make those choices at the crossroads every single time that are going to be pleasing to him, and, and continue to grow knowing him more and more. It seems like from this passage that God only asks things of us that we can't accomplish. So the better encouragement is, oh, if you think you can't do this, you're right, you can't do this. That might not encourage someone at, 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 at the moment. The truth is, is that God only asks of us things that we can't do. And Paul goes on to pray for us. That's why he is so eager to pray for us, that God would supply the strength, the endurance, the patience, the power to live a life that's glorifying and honoring to him. And this is the point of the passage, that much responsibility is given to these new Christians. So he's writing this letter to these new Christians, and he says, I want you to dig deeper. And you have a lot of responsibility. And you can't live up to what God wants for you by your own strength. But he still desires for you to change. And so that's the crossroads that we come to, right? We've kind of come full circle now. We figured out this is what God wants for you. Everybody in here, no matter what your journey is and whatever your confession is, we were made to have fellowship with God and others. And God says, this is my desire for you. This is your purpose for being alive. And then we say, okay, we figured it out. We can't do it. And he, and he doesn't pull back on those standards. He says, but I still want you to do those things. I still want you to live this life that's pleasing to me. I still want you to know me because that's my design for you, to know me, to have fellowship with me and with others. It's very likely that God is asking you to do something in your life that you can't do. Maybe it's something that you're in the midst of. Maybe it's something that you know is coming and you are scared. 
and you're afraid. Maybe he's just asking you to follow him more consistently. And you're terrified by that because you know, you're saying to yourself, I can't do this. You may be thinking, I've never been that kind of person that just really fits that mold. That's just a good person. I've never been one to really come into a room and put on a good face and pretend that everything's good. I just can't do that. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and when I'm hurt, I'm hurt. When I'm struggling, I'm struggling. When I'm sinning, I, I can't mask it. It's just who I am. And I want you to know that's okay. Because your qualities are not being on, on display here. Christ's qualities are. And so Paul is writing to these people saying, your qualities are not on display. I am not assessing your qualities. I'm assessing God's qualities. And this is what God is like. And this is what he can do. This is what the Bible says. The power to live faithful lives does not lie in yourself or in myself, but in the power of God. There's an implied contrast here between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. Paul says, I hope that you will grow in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the world says this. If you obey the rules, God accepts you. Right? Have you heard that before? If you obey the rules, you get promoted. If you do a good job, this is what happens in your life. Good things happen to those who do good things. That's the wisdom of the world. But the wisdom of God is this. It says, I am accepted so that I can do good things. It says, we fall in love with the nature and character of Christ and he transforms us in everything that we do. There are only two ways to read the Bible. And if this is new to you, or maybe it's something that's not so new, I want to remind you, there are two ways to read the Bible. One way, you can read the Bible as if it's, as if it's about you, about what you must do to please God, about what you must do to get to heaven, about what you must do to live a life that's pleasing to him. Or, you can read the Bible as if it's all about Christ, and what he's done for you. And then by believing in that, he transforms you, he gives you the patience, he gives you the endurance, he gives you the power to live a life pleasing to him. This passage that we read is about Paul encouraging his friends, his new Christians, rejoicing in what Christ has already done in their life, and praying that God would continue to do these things in their life. Let's talk a little bit about that power that Paul mentions, because it's important to understand what that looks like, real briefly. He says in verse 11, May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. First, he mentions strength and power. The strength to live a life pleasing to God is not built in us. It's not intrinsic in us. It's not something that we muster up. It's a gift from God. It's the outworking of God's glory in our life. And second, the patience and endurance. Endurance is what faith and love bring to a seemingly impossible situation. And it's from God as well. When we encounter the situation, we say, I can't do this on my own. That's where God says, my power is sufficient for you. Patience and endurance. Sometimes we encounter people that are just hard to to get along with. We need patience and endurance. Sometimes we encounter situations that are hard hard to deal with. And that's where we need God's strength and his power. God's provision of strength and power are continuously available to his people. And Paul points us to walk in this power of God, not in our own ability. And this is what I call you to as well. These same things. 
So let's look again at these three things that Paul prays for. In light of what we learned about the power of God, in light of our inability to muster up this faith, to please God, to walk consistently in a life that's pleasing to Him. Let's look at those three things. The first one is to know His will for us. And I encourage you to dive deep into the things of God, to reflect on Him, to, to ask yourself, how do these things resonate with me in my life where I am right now? Do I know God? Because the Bible says that we can know God. We can know Him in a real way. Do you know Him? Do you know what He desires for you? Because it's, it's awesome. It's, it's really great. It's beautiful. It's the best thing that you could possibly have. I can't give it to you. I can tell you about it. But He wants you to experience that. His will, His heart, His desire for you. Dive deep into it. Reflect on it. Contemplate it in, in the Scriptures. We, Seek his heart like a treasure. Seek it like it's a buried treasure that you just want to find so bad. The second thing he says is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We walk in Christ. We train our hearts and our minds to dwell deeply on his love. And lastly, to increase in our knowledge of him. What you know about God is the most important thing. What you know about God is the most important thing. Because it affects every area of your life. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, what you believe about God will affect every area of your life. It's the most important thing. This is the prayer that Paul has to this new church. Imagine that that prayer that Paul prayed is for you. That he's praying those exact things. It might mean for you, what, is that, what would that look like? That Paul's praying these things. What would it look like for you now, tomorrow or tonight, to, re- to think about these things? What would it look like if these prayers were answered? That you started to know the mind of God, his desire for you. That you started to walk in a way that's pleasing to him. And you, and you grew in your knowledge of Christ and who he is and what he came to do. It might mean for you that there's something that's uncover, being uncovered in your heart that you know is keeping you from enjoying the love of God. It's a hidden sin. Maybe it's a not-so-hidden sin. Maybe it's something that you've been struggling with that you know that you don't want to do, but you don't know how to get, get rid of it either. And maybe God is asking you to, to reflect on that, to confess that, to trust in his strength to get rid of that and to overcome it. It might mean that you're given patience to endure a very hard time in your life right now. Maybe you're right now in your life you're going through something that's just really hard to get through. And how that prayer might be answered for you is that you are given patience and endurance. Not that those things would be taken away, but that you are given the strength to get through it. It might mean that you receive this clarity on a certain issue in your life that you've been struggling through. You've been asking those questions, God, what do you want me to do in my life? And you're getting clarity on how to live a life that is honoring to God and it's bringing clarity to that issue. Maybe you're someone who just, you don't know Christ. And through this time, you're realizing that you, you don't know him and you want to. And I want you to know that if you, keep, if you desire God, and you've, something's been going on in your life where lately you've been thinking more about him, I want you to take a deep breath. Keep pressing in. Keep diving deeper. Keep praying. Keep asking God to reveal himself to you. Get involved in a Christian community. Get involved with people who are thinking about the same things that can encourage you in your walk. And surround yourself with this good news of Christ. And let him transform you. Let him, when that time comes, let him transform your heart.
It might mean for you, maybe you're the person that you realize, you know, I believe in Christ and what he's done, but that's it. I've never really dug deeper. And he's calling you to dig deeper. It might mean that all you do to respond to this is just come back next week and say, I'm just going to continue doing it. I'm just going to continue being in community and hearing these words. They don't make sense to me. There's a lot of names that are weird and cities that I don't understand. And talked about a guy that I don't know. Maybe that's you. Just keep coming back and be open to what God's going to teach you. Wherever you are, I want you to know, as we start off at a church, you are welcome, you are invited to join us. We are, going to, we are in the pursuit of knowing God in a deep way. And we invite you into that to participate with us. It may be not exactly where you are, or where you're, but we'll never force you to do anything that you're not willing to do. But wherever you are, we invite you into that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for our time together as friends and family. And we reflect on this letter that was written to this small church and also to us. What you require of us is impossible. And I don't want to pretend that these are easy things. To know you, to obey you, to love you, to live a life pleasing to you, these are not easy things. But I'm glad that our deeds and our character doesn't qualify us to find your favor, but you've qualified us. Help us to trust in you every day, to have faith in you, to, to believe in what you have done and to put our, our rest in it. God, I pray for, for us here, wherever we are, that these prayers that Paul prays would come true for us where we are, whether we need encouragement, whether we need um, accountability to dig deeper, whether we are searching or skeptical. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would just know you more. Paul says that there is nothing greater that he considers than to know Christ. And so we make that our aim as well, to know you in a deep way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more audio and information, please visit holycrosstucson.com.